Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. Well, church, how you doing? Is your tree set up? Yeah? You feeling it? It's, it's legal to, to have uh, Christmas music on now, so... You're doing all right? Good, good. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. You know, I, I decided that I'm sick of writing 2019. I'm done with it. I'm done. I was writing down the date this week, and I was like, I'm done with you, 2019. Go away. I'm prepared. I'm, I'm preparing mentally. You know, and a number of months ago, we, we had really started, to, I decided, I'm, it's why, why are we getting to the end of the year and looking at this New Year's thing and having all these resolutions? What if we started early? And so I started bringing us through a time of, of saying, let's talk about this now. Let's, let's talk about what it means to be fully uh, devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And what does it mean to create God habits now? What can we do? And I got us these cool little notebooks and to start making plans for ourselves and instead of waiting, right? And, and so... I shared some of the things that I've started to do, and I can tell you it's already been enriching. My wife's like, seriously, why are you getting up so early? And I'm like, I've got a new God habit. I'm getting up early now. You know, and there's things that we do, but it is absolutely life-changing. And, I, I want, and, and the good thing about, you know, following Christ is that it's never too late. Okay? It is never too late. And so I want to encourage you, start praying, saying, Lord, I, I need to start making changes in my life. I need to find times of worship. I need to find times of prayer. I need to find times of fellowship with another Christian, with another believer. Hebrews tells us, do not forsake the assembly of believers. That's why life assembly is so important, is that we come together. So I want to encourage you, as we start coming out of 2019 and into 2020, to really be thinking of that and reflecting on that. And I have been praying about... Lord, where, where do you have us as a church for 2020? Where do you have me personally? And I've been kind of going between these, these things, and I really feel like the Lord has given me a, a word or a, a theme for us in, in 2020, and I'm, I'm really excited as we begin to uh, move closer to that so I can stop writing 2019. <laughs> All right. Would you please stand with me? We are going to read together the most popular verse in the Bible. Well, I guess maybe Jesus wept. I know a lot of people memorize that because it was their first verse in the Bible that they could say. Uh, let's read together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of your Son, Jesus, and we thank you for who you are, we thank you for what you've done, and we thank you that this verse is really the encompass of Christmas. It's what it is. In your holy name we pray. And the church said, amen. amen. You may be seated. You know, when, when I, I, I kind of realized that with this verse, you know, if any of you ever watched pro wrestling or football, or this was kind of like the tagline, John 3.16, right? And Tim Tebow made it super popular after um, some of his endeavors and the way that the Lord 
worked in his life, John 3.16 was searched more than any other thing for a very long time. People were trying to figure out what on earth is this thing. And, and what's amazing about it is that it is a great standalone verse. This is why the church is like, hey, people, learn this verse. Get it inside you because God's so loved. It, it, it's just, it tells the story right there. You could preach the, all the sermons of all forever of God so loved. God so loved. And, and so I, I realized that I had kind of used this verse in as a standalone. And so no matter how I read it, I would always just kind of think of this as a standalone verse, but that's really not what it is. And so then I decided I'd memorize the verse after, after it, and it's, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. And I'm like, okay, so now I've got a little bit more context, right? But then I realized I didn't really have the full context because John 3.16 is a part of a whole story from verse 1 to 21. And so I'm going to start with the story, which is a very familiar story, and then we're going to start reading together. So those of you who know Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee, he was on the, the leading Jewish council. He was probably an older man by this point. Jesus is a young man in his young 30s. His ministry had started out, and it started out with a bang. People are getting healed. Things are happening. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the two ruling Jewish uh, classes, are, don't know what to do with this man. They don't know what to do. And the people are following. How do we, how do we stop this thing? Because we need to keep the power. And so Nicodemus arranges a meeting. He probably talked to one of Jesus' disciples or had one of his assistants go talk to them and say, hey, Nicodemus or somebody of higher standing wants to meet with him. Where can they meet at night? And so uh, they set up a Skype interview and they, they made it work out, you know. And, I, and the way I always pictured it was like Jesus is on one side of the fence and Nicodemus is on another side of a fence. That's just, I don't know why. Maybe I saw a picture or something. And they're like talking, you know, through, through these things and trying to be really coy and looking around. And, <clears throat> and Nicodemus starts asking these very basic questions, but he says, we, he doesn't say just I, we know that you are from God because you can't be doing these kind of things without God present. We know this. But he also knows his culture. He knows the leadership that he is a part of. And he knows that he can't publicly be seen with Jesus at this point. And so they start going through this dialogue of what it means. And Jesus is teaching him. And at one point he looks at him and goes, Okay, Nicodemus, how is it that you can be a teacher of the law and not understand this? And he looks at him and he says, Listen, you actually have to be born again. And this is where the famous line of Nicodemus saying, well, I can't go back into my mother's womb. And that's Jesus like, oh my goodness, who am I talking to here? This is why I think he liked talking to children, you know? And, and so he, he says, okay, okay, th this is what has to happen. You have to become a new creation. Old things have passed. New things are coming. And Jesus is explaining himself. Jesus is literally sharing the gospel of himself with Nicodemus. Nicodemus had been trained. 
He knew the Jewish law. He, he knew it by heart. He knew the, the Torah. He knew it all. And they were waiting for this Messiah, but Jesus looked different than he was supposed to. He looked different than what he was trained to understand what, what the Messiah was supposed to do and what he was supposed to look like. So here he is being talked to by the Savior of the universe. And that's really hard for me to just fathom, even though the Spirit of God is alive and in us and working through us. And we have this same capability of the Spirit of God is with us. And we can have that same community with Christ as Nicodemus did face-to-face with Jesus. But just, just think about it. You're, you're having this face-to-face with Jesus and he's, he's talking to you and he's training you. And in this dialogue, it's still continues. It doesn't say at any point that they, their conversation had ended until you get to verse 21. It says, and then they moved on. Okay, so now with that context, with that understanding of, of Jesus and Nicodemus having this dialogue, Jesus says to him, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Verse 19, this is the verdict, that light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because of their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil, hates the light, and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be light or be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. And that is the word of the Lord. When I began to memorize verse 17, I realized that I had a problem with it. Because maybe if you were raised in the church, I don't know exactly your background. If it's familiar with mine, there was a lot of shame. There was a lot of guilt. I used to joke that I asked Jesus into my heart more than any person. Um, I got saved more than any person alive, and you can't prove otherwise. Because I was certain that any mistake that I made, one cuss word, one bad thought, that's it. Jesus comes. I'm, I'm toast. I'm toast. And I remember coming back to my mom in my later years saying, Mom, where was the grace of God? What happened? What happened to mercy? I, didn't, I don't even remember ever being taught these things. I was, I was only taught about God's judgment. And, and, and through this dialogue, the conversation turned to, well, I'd rather kind of that you were afraid, right? And so I, I think that we've, we've tried to bring fear to people to fear them into heaven. I don't know if that really works, friends. That doesn't really work for a long-time relationship with anybody. That's abusive. And so there is this point when we need to understand the grace and mercy of God has come. The reason for Christmas is that Jesus came to earth because we were condemned already. 
This is, if you walk away with anything today, I, I really want you to, to grab a hold of this and understand this because this is, this is the entire gospel message. If Jesus, well, let me say it this way. If there was nothing to be saved from, there was no reason for Jesus to come. Otherwise, it was a, a colossal waste of time. If there was no problems, if there was nothing to be saved from, there was no reason for Jesus to come at all. The reason that Jesus came is because we were condemned already. This, this has been the verse that has been just, I've been grappling with and fighting with all week long. If we were in no danger as a human race, there would absolutely be no reason for him to come. So the question is, is what are we saved from? What are we saved from? Well, we know that there's something called sin. And apparently, we've sinned. Somehow this condemnation brought sin on us all. And it's because it, this sin separates us from God. And the clearest picture that I ever had that made total sense to me was, you know, because we can look at, you know, people say a white lie or just a little sin. And, and we can look and go, well, if the definition of sin is missing the mark, that's how sin has been um, defined for a long time. So if you're just missing the mark, right, you're just not hitting it where you're supposed to be. Yeah, that, that's sin. And so, you know, my mind would go to, well, what about a little bit of sin? You know, what, what does that look like? And, and a little bit of sin doesn't look bad at all, does it? I mean, it's just, you're just off just a little bit. Just, let's just pretend it's just a hair, right? We're off just a hair. The problem is, is that if you just don't move and you stay in one place, it always looks like just a hair. But the problem is we're moving forward. Time moves forward. And I want you to think about Infinity. I want you to think about eternity. And as time continues to move on, that little bit of separation becomes as far as the east is from the west. They will never meet. And sin is separation from God. It is being absolutely separated from the one who came to save us. Total and complete the sin of Adam, our father, is where this began. Now, Jesus is the answer to a problem that we have no solution for. Jesus is the answer to a problem we have no solution for. He is the answer to the problem of sin. Now, I don't know how your vacations were. I had a, the same vacation every year. And if my mom and dad listened to this sermon online, I love you guys and you, you did your best, okay? <clears throat> they were here last week and when I shared a story, she just cringed. Oh, my poor mom. She's great. Ah. <clears throat> She did correct me, by the way. If you are here last week, I want to just say this is very important. Um, and you'll have to listen to the sermon on Josiah. It's one of my favorite I've ever preached. 
I explained genealogy. I thought my Native Americanness. I think my fourth grade show and tell, I said it was in my right arm. It was my leg. She corrected me. I thought I was Native American in my leg. Okay? You have to listen to understand that. But anyway, we had the same vacation every year of my life. It was the worst. Oh, we, we had, this was our one time to go to Arkansas to visit my grandma and grandpa and my great grandpa and Uncle Donnie and some of the other people. And for those of you who have like the hillbillies in your mind and you're picturing that in the Ozark Mountains and in Searcy, Arkansas, I want to tell you that you're close. <laughs> they had most of their teeth. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. And I love them. They're great. They're great. But here in the middle of summer, a North Dakotan on the Canadian border is forced to go in the middle of summer to Arkansas. And worse than that, I was raised in a church that told you that God would send you to where you didn't want to go. And so then I used to say to God, send me to Arkansas, thinking I was tricking God. And it haunts me to this day because I'm like, what if you just, yeah, Lord. And so what my parents did, and, and bless their hearts, I mean, first we had a two-door Delta 88 that if your leg got stuck in it, it would chop it off. And we would like make forts in the back seat. You didn't have to have seat belts back in that time. It was crazy times. How many of you remember this? Don't cr cross the line because you're going to get hit, right? I mean, this was a time of what we lived in. We'd make beds in the floor. I mean, we just, you know, we made it. And they would try and find different ways from North Dakota to go to Arkansas. There's not many options, okay, friends? But they tried, and, and they really did. They, they tried. And, it, I mean, Arkansas was brutal. It was brutal. We couldn't, I mean, there were deadly snakes around. We couldn't leave Grandpa Weeks' house because it was bad. And he would tell us stories of diamondbacks and rattlesnakes coming. He just left the door open. I'm telling you, I should show you pictures because I am not exaggerating. And we couldn't go out in the lawn. My dad would sometimes mow my grandma's yard and run over beds of rattlesnakes, okay? So here we're stuck in this house. We can't do anything. You go outside, the heat and the pressure takes your breath away, and it's miserable. Every two weeks, ugh. So it was the late 80s. If you've seen Stranger Things, that's exactly what we looked like. <laughs> and, you know, it was a good time in some ways, but we got to go to the swimming pool maybe twice during this whole time. And this was my jam. One place where I got to go be a kid is at the swimming pool. In, in North Dakota, that was the one thing we had. We had the swimming pool. My mom paid the family thing. I would go. I had the the towel around my neck, and I would go to the swimming pool, and I knew that place. I knew all the pretty lifeguards. They let me put suntan lotion on their shoulders, and then eventually I became a lifeguard because I went through all of their stuff and through WSI training. I, I was there. I did it, right? But this was still back in the late 80s before all that, and I, I had learned swimming lessons, and I was, I was there. I knew I was a fish, and I was at the pool, and first of all, they had a couple things that we didn't have in North Dakota. One was diversity. It was really weird seeing other colors of people. I, I've never really experienced that before because, let me tell you, they were too smart to be up in North Dakota. And the other thing was, is they were like 
ice cubes in a lemonade jar or a cup. I mean, how do you get so many people in a pool? In my pool, I could just jump and do whatever I wanted and have so much space. They just kind of stood there, you know? And like, what are you doing? And so I remember walking in to this pool area and, you know, it was a nice big pool and they had the deep end and I'm like, oh, I, I've been going off the, the high board since I was two. I can show these people. I got to show these people how to jump off the diving board because I was 10 or so, right? And so here I go and I stand in line. What on earth is a line this long for? And I'm standing, I mean, it's like wrapped around the pool, you know, and I'm impatient. I'm like, they don't even know what they're doing. Man, I mean, I need to show them how to do it, right? So I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And all of a sudden, this kid got up on the diving board, and he was young, super, super young. And they, they must not have had a lot of money because the kid was wearing shorts that went down to about his feet. I don't know if it was his dad's or an older brother's, but it was, I mean, it was terrible. And I just remember, you know, when you've got those railings in the back of the board, and as you begin to move forward, no more railings. And you can see people who've never done it before. They, they're like feeling around, right? I've even seen it where they're crawling on the end of the board. And you're like, oh, brother, could this go any longer? I was so impatient. And by this time, you're about to jump off the board. And I'm like, this is something's wrong here. This isn't good. And I remember just kind of walking to the edge of the, the 12 feet, the deep end, and I remember just kind of going, oh, man, I didn't want to lose my place in line, so I'm still kind of keeping myself, you know, a little bit careful. And the, he finally jumps in. So part of me is like, oh, thank goodness, I can move forward. And the other part is, oh, no. And he jumped in, and it was just like he just thought his body would swim for him. And he just was like, it was like limbo. He was just like there. And I'm like looking down, I'm this kid who, I'm going, oh, this is really bad. And I look up to get the lifeguard's attention, and this lifeguard seems to be more preoccupied with how he's looking with everybody else around. And the noise in the racket was so loud that you couldn't call to him, nothing's going on. And I'm looking around, and it's just a bunch of little kids. And at this point, I knew I had to do something. And so... I did what my little body knew to do. I had no training at this point. And now that I had training, I know that I did it all wrong. And you're going to see this in a second. But anyway, I jumped in. I jumped in. And I, I don't remember much from that, but I got him up to the surface. And at that point, I, don't, I can't tell you how long I was under or anything it took to get back. By the time I had him up, there were lifeguards and people all over coming and, and saving the day. Now, I, I remember a couple things from this. One is the first thing that came out of their mouth was shame towards me. They were angry. How dare you do this? And I'm just a kid. I saw a kid drowning, literally, and they were too busy with whatever else to even be paying attention. I mean, I, why, why would you talk to me this way? And secondly... <laughs> I, I, you know, tried to kind of find out what was going on, and this kid was holding onto his head, and, and he was like leaning, they had him against his fence, are you okay, are you okay? And he kept saying, oh, my head hurts, my head hurts. And then I was like, oh, man, I jumped on the kid's head. <laughs> so here I'm trying to do the right thing, and in my right thing, I literally jumped on the kid's head. So then I'm kind of like, oh, we're just going to go, you know, 
over here. I'm doing my best, but what do I do? I don't know what I'm doing. I jump on the kid's head. And I I remember walking away, and my heart is just racing, and I'm shaking. I'm like, what just happened? I I can't believe. I can't believe what happened. And I remember being disappointed. Like, there was, like, only thing that I received was guilt. I I tried to do the right thing, and, and that's the only thing that I felt after that. Carl Barth shares a story, and um, at this time, it was a fairly well-known story. is a legend of the rider who crossed the frozen lake of Constance by night without knowing it. And, and this rider was, it was dark, and he, he was going, and the, the snow just seemingly hadn't changed, and he rode and rode and rode and rode, and he got to the other side, and he realized by somebody telling him, you just crossed that lake by horse. And this is not a lake like Minnesota that freezes through and we drive our big trucks and we gather in big circles. This wasn't like that. And at that moment, what he, he just turned white. He just all of a sudden realized that he was literally in death's hold the entire time and he didn't even know it. He said, where have I been? Over an abyss in mortal danger. What did I do? The most foolish thing I have ever attempted. What happened? I was doomed and miraculously escaped, and now I am safe. While the rioter was crossing the lake, he had no idea that his fate could come at any step. But he went on riding like he was crossing dry land because he knew no different. But he only knew once somebody had told him. And friends, we have all crossed Lake Constance. In the same way, like the rider, everyone who is trusting Christ for salvation by grace alone can say, I was in mortal danger. I was doomed, but through the cross of Christ, I miraculously escaped, and now I am safe. We have been drowning in our own sin. And God doesn't jump on our heads, thank goodness. But he is pulling us above water. It was not condemnation, but salvation that Jesus brought. When I, when I think of the rest of this part where Jesus was talking and explaining to Nicodemus, He's talking about this light, this light that, that comes into the world. And, and this is a time and a season of lights, right? We got some Christmas lights out front, which is fun. And when you come, especially this time of year, and you see and finally our corner is lighting up a little bit. And it's just fun to see light, light in the darkness. And, and like the scripture says, is that the darkness doesn't understand it, but it has to move out of its way. And as, as I was reading this, I was thinking of my, my trusty flashlight, um, my dad buys me stuff like this because he wants us to be safe. I don't know. But it's so fun, and that's really why he buys it. And I think he does it because he wants one for himself, so he buys one for himself and then all the kids. Pretty sure. Because that's, anyone else? No? Just me? Okay. And this, this LED light is so stinking cool that, so I don't, I don't know about you, but I love to stand on, on the back of my deck and I like to look for eyes. So at our last home, I saw a ton of raccoons. Like the raccoons, they would just, and so I would, I would you know, it's wide, and then I can zoom it up. And 
So like here, you can see, I know it's a lot of light in here, but you see, you can see that. And then you can, I could, when this thing is fully charged, this thing can go 500 yards and it can zoom out. And so I would be looking at raccoon eyes and I'd be counting all the raccoons up there. Now in this place, I don't have raccoons, which is really weird, but I have deer and I have a muskrat that bothers me and I've got these stray cats and coyotes that come through. And so I will go out on my deck and I shut all the lights off and I sit there and I just scan the back. I scan the back. And then Jane is in the house. I'm thinking, I wonder what she's thinking. I'm, I'm a dork. And, and that's the picture that I got of what light is. Light reveals. Light exposes. And the light coming into the world exposes that we were condemned already. And so the problem that I had is I was raised with the idea that it's all about what we're doing wrong and we need to fix these things. And, and I just think that the message just was miscommunicated. That we were condemned, we were living away, the light came in and started to expose the way that our nature wanted to go. And God was revealing what it looks like to follow him. Does that make sense? And then, then we get to this last verse. But whoever lives by the truth, comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done, now get this, this is the hard part, friends, that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. When we step into the light, we are being exposed. And this is where what separates a Christian from a non-Christian, is a Christian understands in order to be saved, we have to lay it all before Christ and understand that we cannot save ourselves. It is by his grace alone, his mercy alone that saves us. And that's why, friends, when you come and stand before God at some point in your life, you are not going to have all these amazing things that say, God, look what I'm bringing to you. This is what's going to happen. You're going to come and you're going to kneel down and you say, Lord, I have nothing but your son, Jesus. That's all that I have. That's, that's all that I have. I have nothing but your son, Jesus. Would you take this offering? And that is the only way. That is the only way. Now, I, we, we do good things. We do good works like James talks about because of our faith in Christ. It just is a natural product. It's fruit. That just happens. But that's not what gets you into heaven. It is walking into the light. And I kind of have just kind of four progressions. One is understanding. First, you need to understand what Jesus did for you. You have to actually understand it. Secondly, you have to believe it. We just read about it. It's repeated over and over again. You have to believe that Jesus came into this earth Christmas. He lived a sinless life. He died as the perfect sacrifice for our sins, and he was raised again. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. But you know what? You can believe and not accept. Scripture tells us that even the demons believe and shudder. You have to get to the point of acceptance. You have to get to the point of saying, okay, God, I'm, I'm stepping back or stepping past belief and I'm going to, I am accepting you for my Lord and for my Savior. And then once you get to acceptance comes discipleship. 
comes following him, doing it now. What, what does it even mean to be a Christian? And that's what we're doing together as a church. And, and sometimes we aren't perfect. And sometimes it, it you know, we, we need to ask for forgiveness. And sometimes we sin. And, and sometimes, we're, we're, sometimes we're dumb. Can I say dumb? Sorry if you're teaching your kids not to say that. Sometimes we say foolish things. And we need to repent. And we walk out what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Together. This is us as, as a church. This is, this is what we do. Light came into the world to expose and reveal. Christmas, I'm going to repeat the, from the first line I said today. Christmas is about Jesus, and he is the answer to a problem that we have no solution for. If you have been drowning... If you have realized that you have crossed Lake Constance and you are turning around maybe for the first time in your life and realizing where you've been, maybe, just maybe, you are recognizing Christmas for what it is, the love of God. Because it's not until we understand the shaky ground that we've been on that there was no condemnation. Condemnation was already here. He came because we were already condemned. And that is what Christmas is about, friends. Would you please stand? You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.